and welcome to Book Record Beer Season 5, Episode 10. I am Nick Mahalik, joined by my two righteous buddies, uh, one Nick Gregorio. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and <laughs> to the point. And Daniel DeFranco. Say hello to everybody. Hey, uh, I'm a good Indian. Or not. I don't know. Uh, and in context of the book, R.I.P. Baby. <laughs> we will, we will know what I mean by that shortly. Uh, so for this episode, Gregorio, you have picked these yes, I solid have. choices. Solid choices. Um, we have very recent stuff too, which I love. The only good Indians, uh, Stephen Graham Jones, 2020 novel. Uh, you picked Pelican's 2019 album, Nighttime Stories. And, of course, we have a Cape May beer, uh, probably on the heels of your recent vacay, I imagine. Uh, uh, you figured that out <laughs> quick. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, well, yeah, which one did you pick? It's called On the Way to Cape May. Um, it is a sour series that they're doing this summer. This is a Goes-esque sour ale brewed with oysters. So I imagine this is a guess. I actually don't know this. Is the briny saltiness of the oyster meant to be that sea salt that's usually in a goes and hence being goes esque? Oh yeah, baby. Nice. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I bet that's delish. It is. Um awesome. Awesome. So uh that is our our cast for today, what we're gonna be looking at. Uh and to get started and give you a little taste of what the novel is uh, centered around, dear listener, I am going to introduce these gentlemen, if I were to introduce these gentlemen, uh, as revenge stories, because this is largely a uh, story of vengeance. Um, and so, you know, I felt like I, I, I could have done better with these, but these are the best I had in the, in, in the time I had. Uh, so here we go. Um, Nick Gregorio, Revenge of the Nerds, the first one, 1984. Oh, my God. It's so good, though. It's so good. It is. It's, um, it works. It works. It's, it's amazing. And it's funny, too, because I, I actually, in thinking about it, don't know – quite which character you'd be in in that cast you know what i mean yeah. i really don't uh, know booger absolutely <laughs> i don't think Gregorio, you're not like a a, a grossman though are you you're not, not like like I mean, disheveled and gross i never see you like no, i think out of i try and like put that. myself together as well as possible yeah he's the only he's the only one i remembered that's but booger is like like a like a pretty like the most normal of the nerds, I would say in there, and uh, but but he is he's he's also very funny. In any case, um, oh great, Benjamin there goes the yours. band. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, uh, yours is Die Hard with a Vengeance, because Ooh. I could definitely see you. He gets you know, fucking John McClane. I get Booger. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he, I did not say he would be John McClane. In <laughs> okay. fact, um, I I feel like he's the sidekick to the main dude who who claims it's all vengeance for his brother. And by the way, if you haven't seen Die Hard with Vengeance by now, and I just spoiled it, please um, 
catch up on your movies a little bit. But <laughs> I, I'd be the main villain, is what you're saying. The main villain sidekick is who I think you'd be. Okay. That the that that dude the the right hand man who's like like super cold and has some a few awesome lines. I feel like that'd be you. That sounds like Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> super you cold has gonna, a few awesome lines. Uh, you go, you go fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so if I were so to Nick Mahalik, it, yeah. Yeah, well, if I was to if I was to introduce you were. as a re, as a revenge story, I did say were. You said was. I? Yeah. <laughs> well, in the future, if I was, <laughs> if this thing I'm doing were to happen, God damn it! <laughs> future progressive verbs. <laughs> um, you would be the princess bride. Oh, That's nice! And That's excellent. I know instantly you are thinking that you would be either um, the Dread Pirate Roberts, Roberts, yeah. or uh, Inigo Montoya. But you would be mistaken. Well, the you appearance would, is, is just, I mean, crushing on both of those, the similarities. Un, uh, uncanny. <laughs> you, would be, you would be the guy that is in the pit, the pit of despair. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I like what you did there. Good yeah. stuff, man. Uh, oh, man Don't I, even I, try to escape. <laughs> I love that... Um, you picked that one as a revenge narrative too, because it very clearly is. But it was not even in my brain at all to choose. So nicely done for creativity. A for creativity, and also the choice. Um, so, gents, let's jump in to the only good let's. Indians, and of course, the title of the book I think is where we should start. Um, yeah. I don't think we usually do that, but this is a great one because we have a Native American author. Um, he's a Texan, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, of course, is really playing with th a lot of these stereotypes, tropes, mm -hmm. uh, sort of like things that about owning, you know, certain uh, things like the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Right. right. So that's where it's coming from mm -hmm. is, is, is that adage. Um, and he, he plays with those throughout, which is one of the things that I, I really, really liked because there was a such a deep and profound genuineness, I thought, in like, I didn't question at all if this dude knew what he was talking about from page one to the end um, in terms of like what it means to be um, Native American, what it means to be uh, living on a reservation, you know, all that stuff. Um, it just seemed so, I mean, and it's, it, it was actually a little bit crushing because I thought, oh, I have such a limited experience reading a modern, uh, Indian writer, right. Or native American writer. Uh, right. The only comparison I really had to draw from was Sherman Alexi. And that actually mm -hmm. was really upsetting. Um, because you know, with any, a, a writer or a group of writers or whatever, if you only have two to draw from, I mean, you're not doing, you're not doing what you should essentially. Um, right. So that was really, that was really upsetting to me actually getting in there. Cause I was, I was constantly drawing parallels there and I was like, Jesus, you should have way more um, to compare him to than that. Uh, but what did we think? Did if was that something that struck us from the beginning? Did we, do we not agree in terms of like, n this is unquestionably someone who has lived experience here. Uh, the, the genuineness um, of 
in Stephen Graham Jones' writing is one of the things that has attracted me to his work um, and um, kept me wanting to read more of it. Now, I've read three, um, and he has over 22 books. Um, Holy is, shit, really? Yeah, yeah, and he's under 50. He's, like, extraordinarily prolific. Um, wow. Yeah, but he, he just... Everything about him from the way he writes, what he's writing about, to the I, to the feeling that he's trying to impart, you know what I mean? The, the, the emotion mm-hmm. that he's trying to impart is maybe more genuine than you're going to get um, from anybody I, I can remember reading recently. You know what I mean? Except for maybe Luster. I mean, Luster was like, that That did that. Um, yeah. But this guy... In terms of like relaying like very clear lived experience and that kind correct. of thing? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And um, he's also using his own language mm, and to and to tie that in with with luster. That's another reason the prose and that um, stuck out as much as it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, Daniel, you would you would agree there then too? this. This seems like, you know, never for a second were you like, I have to see if if this guy's a Native American. Like, (laughs) you know, like, is no, I is this cultural appropriation or what? No, I, I assumed he was. I mean, just looking at his picture in the the dust jacket, and I mean, you don't wear, you don't wear a shirt like that unless you. Uh, Do my grandfather you know. used to wear shirts like that all <laughs> the time, and he was Sicilian. He looks, like, <laughs> he looks like Doc. He looks like Doc Brown dressed up to go back to the exactly. Uh, 1800s. He does. Exactly. He does. It's exactly. True. Um, no, but I, I definitely once I was finished reading that was in my mind, but the way there was there was an authority coming across mm-hmm. that i was like there's this guy has definitely got to be native american um and if not oh, i'd like to hear what twitter has to say uh, but yeah um, sure yeah is <laughs> is actually native american and um i never heard of him before and i'm like super super pumped to read some of his other i work. have a fun story for you about where i heard of this guy go for um, it yeah I, I referenced many times the fan letter I wrote to Chuck Palahniuk when I was 19 years old asking for book recommendations. You you referenced it once, by the way, and not in our Flight Club cast, so continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it was anyway, a couple times, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the Flight Club cast. <laughs> anyway, Chuck Palahniuk ga- uh, responded and gave me a list of books, and Stephen Graham Jones' uh, Leadfeather was number one on the list. No um, shit. Yeah, and I've I've been following Stephen Graham Jones for like fifteen years. Wow. So where yeah. does the only good Indian stack up in his uh, <sighs> Um Like I like, <laughs> so he's. I've read two of his the uh, more horror oriented ones, right? And then Leadfeather is not that. Um, okay. But this is in, in terms of. He, He's an incredible blender of genre. Um, just, you know, having a very literary um, cadence to his prose. Also, you know, using Native American language and cadence in that prose. Blending horror, blending a sports novel. And, like, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Um, this is And you're talking a- about... So uh, just the for the, the listener yeah. or whatever, yeah, the only good Indians is blending those things, you're yeah. arguing. Um, yeah. And uh, this is the best of his I've read. But Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. He's yeah, so uh, next month, actually, so <laughs> we'll see. Wow. Yeah. 
So for for those listening, this is a novel. The only good Indians is about four really good friends, best friends, uh, who are Native American. It's funny too because by the end, at, towards the end of the book, they actually address that why you always see Indian and not Native American, and it's because they're um, a little bit younger than us, you know, in the in the novel. But they grew up not being called Native American, but being called Indian. So that's why the word Indian is the one constantly used. Right, and I yeah. felt like there was a very like it, it didn't obviously say the time period, but I felt this like this was like a late '90s setting. Um, because if oh, because of the cassette player and stuff like that, cassette player, the lack car. of cell yeah. phones, like it was very specifically mm. not today. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, again, yeah. So maybe they were even a little older than us. Yeah. But that they, they they were yeah because at one point they're like pop and locking right they're like yeah, right. learning how to break dance break. yeah so that's true so so they were probably teenagers in the eighties so maybe ten years older than yeah. us um, and closer to Daniel's age so we have a. Uh, <laughs> go fuck <laughs> i really tried to not laugh and just keep it moving on that no, but like, it fucking, i saw it. nick's face and i lost <laughs> it um but so yeah dear listener this is four best friends who um you know there is one like very large event from their past that affects them so profoundly that a couple of them sort of you know leave the reservation go off into the world uh two of two others stay um, and then, you know, an entity seeks vengeance for this event uh, 10 years later, a decade later on sort of the uh, I would say the week eve of yeah. said event um, and, uh, you know, horror ensues. Um, and my and, guy and, does it. My guy. Yeah. Does it. So but here's the thing. And I want to talk about genre and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, this does get billed as a horror novel i think kind of across the board yes um i i saw it kind of but i was more like because there is some gore for sure but those those scenes are are yeah they're like grotesque in the moment yeah but they're short you know they're almost flashes and they're not too frequent um and so it's not a, a slasher gore you know novel in that way it's certainly it's not like to a me a little bit type thing like it was it correct was very intentional yeah. when that stuff did happen and it seems more of like a, a a thriller kind of thing where you're 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 meant to be un uneasy the entire time and anxious yeah. um sort of on the edge of your seat but but not not in i, I didn't get a, a a sense that this was was a horror type thing and and the fact that he couches it in what seems to be a myth of some sort, um, you know, an ancient kind of kind of myth, um, of makes me and fair play uh, in 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 harvesting from the natural world. Right, exactly. Um, that to me really prevented me from seeing it as a horror novel. Uh, and I was wondering what you guys thought about about genre and this. Like, how would you sell it to somebody or, or, or talk to somebody about it? Because I, I, I actually I did not see it as a horror novel. And I really did want to talk about the myth aspect as well. But we can start with with genre. Um, so 
I think the only way, the only reason this is billed as a horror novel is because somebody said it is a horror novel and then put it on the okay. cover. This is <laughs> sure, like, sure. It's it's not a horror novel. Like if you if you you could put this smack dab in the middle of the standard literature section in a Barnes and Noble, and you would right. see nothing different from what you would see in any typical quote unquote literary novel. Um, I agree. Yeah. Um, but it is there are horrific elements, but there's horrific elements in everything. You know what I mean? Do we think that? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but do we? I just thought of it right now. Do we think that it's billed as horror because horror, just by being labeled as such, immediately has you suspend your disbelief a little bit? Yes, because you need that for this. Exactly, and especially in that first section, I think if you don't suspend your disbelief, you and I, I don't mean to be, you know whatever but i feel like you might put it down if you don't already have your suspension of disbelief set (laughs) because there's some things that happen you know and and no no i i just you're probably gonna say the same thing like there are some things that happen where like if you're not already in the back of your head oh this is a horror novel like not that it's a campy horror novel or anything like that but if you don't already have it in your head to like not be holding too tightly to reality then you're gonna you might you might pull out a little bit um which i felt my my knee-jerk reaction was to do that but then i reminded myself you know yeah i mean there's some there's some seriously ludicrous stuff that that happens um (laughs) i I think that's a great way to put it yeah (laughs) and no i think you're right i think it being labeled a horror novel um did it a service prevents the fallout maybe yeah um because like i I, like i said i've you can open a a brett easton ellis novel and see this level of violence and horror and it Mm -hmm. they're not horror novels you know what i'm saying but there is an elkhead woman (laughs) (laughs) seeking vengeance um Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely what do you think dan yeah i don't think it's too much to give away some of the plot i read a lot of um uh, reviews of this book today in uh, preparation and this book came out in July 2020 so it's, it's a year old yep. yeah so uh, um, I don't know why that's relevant I think just just as a point um, but all the uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like I did guys <laughs> well <laughs> I, I, well no because I was I know, I'm, I was playing with you. I'm playing a little bit of a uh, you know synchronicity I guess we're we're in time for the uh, paperback release if people liked it <laughs> Um, so, so you're so, saying you don't want to give a lot of the plot away because of that? No, no, no. I, I think we have to. I don't oh, think we okay. can talk about it without it. Got Just it. a little bit. So, Got it, yeah. Um, I would – I mean, it's not my job, or I don't, I don't think it's the reader's job to classify books. But if, if we were, um, I would say it's more supernatural mm. with uh, uh, intense scenes of um, gruesomeness. Grisly violence. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you we you know we have to buy into the premise that that you were skirting around is that this group of of friends they kill a bunch of elk, nine of them on like illegal lands. Uh one of them was a young pregnant elk and she did not want to die. Yeah. And uh they eventually they killed her. They shot her like three times, I think. Twice in four. the face. Yeah. Yep. Her back was blown. Anyway, uh, so 10 years later, um, the spirit, ghost, 
whatever you want to call it, the reincarnation of this elk comes back to exact vengeance. And on these guys and their families. Yeah. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so much shit happens that is wonderful and uh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. All at the same time. The whole like um, head being flattened and uh, shredded like a cheese grater was fucked. That was nice. That was nice. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't read horror books. Um, my wife Ellie she re- she read this um, a long time ago. So she reads a lot of horror or a lot of horror novels, and um, this came up probably on her radar because of the things that she likes. Hmm. Um, but I don't I don't know, man. I I I think supernatural commercial fiction really is kind of how it came across to me but again i don't i don't think it's our job to to classify i agree i agree yeah i just um that that expectation is something that i think uh was used in a really really good or productive way um for this particular novel because Mm -hmm. without it i think i i wouldn't have allowed myself my brain wouldn't have allowed me to be as invested as i became Um, You're talking about like the advertising for it, the marketing. Yeah, because everything I saw um, was and and when you, you know, crack the the cover, everything you read is is horror related. I mean, the dude has like a bunch of uh, horror awards as well. I think he was like a runner up for Shirley Jackson and all this other stuff. So um, that that to me was helpful. It actually was helpful. Uh, knowing what you know about me with regard to awards and stuff like that, it actually was helpful to see that because then I go, oh, I can think about it in this way. Um, the thing that actually bothered me, and I think it's because I read a ton of myth, was I, I wanted to know, and I don't know if any of you guys thought this as well or if it was it mattered at all to you, but I really wanted to know what the fuck the myth was surrounding the elk head woman. I, I wanted to I, I, I wanted to at some point we could even in piecemeal could have gotten what the myth was um, that that makes this this uh, entity come to life and exist. Obviously, you piece it together as to why she exists and what she's there for and stuff like that. But I love a good myth and the origin of said myth and where it comes from and, and, and you know, who the first, you know, because w- w- all myth comes from an initial you know, event. And then it's myth after that. Right. And this, this thing comes back because X, but it came to life. Like myths come to life because of an initial event. And I, um, ah, man, I was, I was desperate to hear what that was. And they kept saying, you know, that they, they they knew some of the old stuff, but they were really sort of modern Indians and they, they didn't Mm -hmm. like really play that in in a lot of ways yet. They're doing a sweat. They're doing this other stuff. So I'm like, Oh man, you could at least give me something. Like, even if you don't know the whole thing, like when you realize what it is, who's going, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just, I just wanted more of the myth. I don't know if you guys, uh, agreed at all, but whatever. Yeah. I, I did think about that. And, uh, I think part of what this book plays around with is, um, I, I guess at least for these four guys, and then for the younger guy that kind of joins their little um, uh, their sweat later on, yeah, is is the loss of tradition yeah. and trying to find it, mm-hmm. uh, and then the one the one uh, of our main characters, Gabe, he he just makes up shit, yep. yeah, because because he doesn't know. So so for my reading of it. 
I think I got enough that I didn't need the myth. It didn't really, it didn't matter to me so much the origin of the myth so much as that the shit was happening because they killed a pregnant elk and she wanted to uh, exact her vengeance. Well, they killed her right. unfairly. Like they did it on yeah. on land they weren't supposed to be on, et cetera. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Um, I, I feel very much well, you're the only same supposed way, to Daniel. take like I'm very like I was OK with being brought along on on the on the journey with these guys, not knowing anything mm-hmm. and just have yeah. gay bullshit the whole time. And all yeah. of his, all of what he said, you could have been like, oh, that makes sense. But none <laughs> of it was real. Yeah. And this thing is told from uh, it, it, it flip flops around, but it's also it's it's third person limited. Yeah. Mostly all almost the in fact i bet you the whole book is third person limited depending on which character we're following mm. well there's a second person for the elkhead woman right you yeah, is yeah, used yeah, yeah. for I her that I, and that was a good differentiation i wonder I if you guys felt, so i kind of felt like this this was let me finish my thought real oh, quick fuck <laughs> <laughs> the the fact that it was from this third person limited point of view is that if the characters don't know then why we wouldn't be able to know either and so that's and, why it didn't really bother me as much. And Sorry. Lewis is no, figuring it out. Uh, uh, Lewis is figuring things out. He's the one because he's the one who reads myth and reads mm-hmm. these fairy tale stories. And like, you know, Gabe says these child stories. Um, he's the one that's that's really freaked out, invested. And and because he's the one who had killed the um, the elk you know, that is exacting her revenge. Uh, I think he is, he is most um, profoundly sort of affected by it and, and paranoid and, and, and digging into what it could be. Um, so I, we, I felt closest with him to being able to get some of the myth. But the, the, the reason I think I wanted it was because so much of it becomes literal. Mm-hmm. So much of it becomes literal. And I wanted more of that, that myth metaphor. You know, I really and and the fact that they're, you know, at times circling back onto what like basically they're at times I really love this, like discovering the purpose for a sweat when they're just doing it out of rote tradition. And then they're going, oh, maybe the 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 elders, maybe maybe the old school Indians were doing it because of this reason. And they're discovering it from just doing the rote thing. That was really cool. I would have, yeah, I just, I just, I think I wanted more, more story there because so much of it became literal that I, I was like, uh, does it, does it need to be, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And, and Nick, you had a, you had a thing there? Yeah. Just a, a, about the, the narration itself. Like I, I, I had, and I don't know if, you know, it's anywhere close to what uh, Stephen Graham Jones was going for, but I felt that the way the, the narration shifted person to person to the second person, uh, you know, uh, elk head woman back and forth, back and forth. And it didn't stay with one particular protagonist. Um, I felt it was like this meant to feel like this spirit just watching and thus Mm -hmm. the book becoming its own myth. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt really, I thought that was really smart. If if that's what he was going for, like I could have just been like, in the whole mythical idea of, you know, we're we're Native American, like we're this is a Native American story. And from what I know, my limited knowledge of Native American stories is that 
very spiritual people. You know what I mean? Like, I, and of course, it could have all come from cliche that is just embedded into my brain. But yeah, I know I I read a ton of um, myth with my with my seniors, Native American myth specifically. And one of the things that's really always caught my eye is um, sort of like the different worlds that exist in Native American mythos. And one of the cool thing it, cool things is um, there is from their apocalyptic myths to you know, like end of the world to great flood myths and all this other stuff. There's a lot of stories, a ton of stories of someone dying and another who loves them trying to go into that other world to get them back and having to go through like a series of tasks to do that. And I kept going back to that. I think that's why I wanted more of the myth to see how it fit with the ones that I knew. Um, because there, there is like so many that involve this like, journey this this trial to to kind of get what you are, are, are seeking in terms of like a loved one or you know um not cheating death but 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 somehow um besting it i guess um and and so that was that was pretty interesting uh to me uh, that's always been interesting to me and so i was i was trying to see that I, I went back and forth throughout the entire thing and I just landed in a very neutral space with regard to the narration because I thought at first like, oh, why is he chunking this? Why is it, you know, one story done, next story done. And it's each of the guys, you know what I mean? And, and I was like, it would have been much more difficult from a writing perspective to have this been one thing that is happening all pretty much at the same time and we're jumping in that way. And I thought, you know, he's already jumping into these different narrations, into these different protagonists, you know, points of view. So why, why do it this way? It's easier to chunk it as, as separate compartmentalized things. Um, and I, I wondered if it might have, I think been more climatic Right, uh, it, 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 that the that the build would have been more um, intense if you know these things are all working up to to an end, as opposed to being these compartmentalized episodic things. Um, but in the end, I actually I kind of liked it, like the way he he puts it together makes sense, and it really works for that for that story, which I thought was great. Um, I don't know if you guys were batting that back and forth, um, but I I vacillated between those things. Um, I was um, I was genuinely shocked at the end of the second section, and I don't I don't know if we want to mm -hmm. give this away to the listener, but like I I, 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 I wouldn't I just because it, it is so shocking. It's it, so I was, shocking. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I was blown away. I was like, "There's half the book left. Like, what are we doing?" Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's exactly the point that I thought of that. Yeah. I was like, "How? Why?" Because the first one seems like, "Oh, I could see that being the introductory episode." That brings you into the novel proper like that happened. And then the rest of these dudes, yeah. you know, are dealing with that. Um, and then that happens and you're like, well, wait a fucking second, man. Yeah. Like, you know what it reminded me of? I think it's like when people are talking about a TV show and they're, they're interviewing like the showrunner. It's like The Walking Dead or something. And it's like, well, the thing we really want to stress about this show is that no one is safe. Um, right. And that's what <laughs> this did. Like, like, as yeah. soon as that second section ended, you're like, oh, fuck <laughs> like yeah nobody is gonna make it out of this i yeah i don't know what to expect um nor should i yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah in the end i thought it worked i just thought 
I actually just wondered what it might be like had he done it in a more traditional fashion where everything's happening sort of at the same time or throughout the same, you know. But the things in the book did not happen at the same time. Correct. So I actually never, I did not have a problem with the uh, the chunking as you were calling it. Um, and I think what, for listeners, maybe doesn't know your um, your lingo as much, uh, sections. They were isolated sections. Yeah, like, yeah right. Like it's epi- ep- episodic, yeah. 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 Um, that didn't bother me. Um, I thought it worked actually really well for the book. And, I, you know, we're about about a half hour into this. I just want to point out something that I think is actually kind of important. And I didn't really think about it until I read NPR's book review of, of uh, this book. Um, even though they say Indians and Native American in the book, it's not supposed to be this is from npr's uh review not my own brilliance um it's not supposed to be taken as uh like a monolith um they are blackfeet and some of the characters crow are crow right in native americans and it's, uh yeah. and it's a thing that gets touched on just a little bit uh, actually i guess quite quite often is the difference between the two tribes. I think for us, the, the white man, we're like, ah, oh, Native Americans, Indians, myths. You know, it's all the same shit. Right. But mm-hmm. there's, um, I, I think that throws back into our faces the erasure of that history from, I guess, our our history books, like our the stuff we, we learn. Yes. We just think, oh, it's all Native Americans, but it was... I mean, there was how, I don't even know how many tribes there were, and they were probably all each different. very, very, very different. Yeah. So this is, oh, yeah. even though we're saying Indian and black, uh, and um, uh, Native American, it's this book is is really about uh, the beliefs and myths of of the Blackfeet. Right. Again, yeah. Again, I and it would have been great to have gotten it. I think is the thing too for me. You know what I mean? Like, like how are you different from the crow then? And this would have been a great way because if the crow know nothing about the elk faced woman, then that would have been awesome. Or what is your elk faced woman? Let's get that myth. Like that would have been a good, a good way to do it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Because you're right. It, I mean, in the same way, there are these major, these major things that like all of them, all of them have like, and I, I think myth and storytelling is super universal. Like we all have apocalyptic end of the world stuff. We all have rite Mm -hmm. of passage stuff, right? We all have uh, world beginnings. We all have the flood. We all have the great flood. We all have the world beginning, right? Um, You know, and and specifically with the Indians, there's the earth diver myths, like all tribes pretty much have an earth diver and they also have an emergence and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, it is really, really fascinating. I think that's a great point. Like, he he could have perhaps expanded on that uh, a, a bit more to really show like you know were that this group of of boys men are indoctrinated with the you know uh, american school so much they're fucking breakdancing before they know their own customs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um that maybe that would have been a way for him to 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 dive into it um but you know, that might have thrown it off the rails a little bit, too. So uh, is it Stephen Graham Jones job to um, uh, teach to teach us? You know, he's just writing a world he knows. Right. Why does he have to teach us? That's a. I I mean, that's a thing that I feel like he's 
automatically doing by being one of the few voices that we see in popular literature. Like he's already there. Um, yeah, but you wanted you wanted more than what he was doing. He just wants to tell his story. Right, right, yeah. Well, I expect I expect uh, quite a bit. I have high standards, Daniel. Yeah. Well, no, you have high <laughs> standards of of a marginalized uh, writer of whom you know too, and you yeah. want him to to teach you. <laughs> I do, I do, because I'm 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 hungry for it. Because I I do I really love, I absolutely love myth. Um, I think that's yeah. one of the things, and that that would have been super interesting for me as an individual. I'm not saying that he has to do that or is obligated to do it, of course. But um, yeah. I think as well, like in, in, in reading this, he, he touches on it a bunch with like Denora, like the, the one character when she's um, playing for her whole tribe, you know, and you have these sort of like, Oh, it's beautiful. Sort of sweeping, like the, like how everything is on the back. Like I, I by the end, he gets into this bigger, space mm -hmm. i think he he gets into this this more grand um for lack of a better word space where he's talking about sitting bull where he's talking about sacagawea and he's he, and and the perception of the american versus the perception of the indian around these really huge characters and and what you know i love that one moment where the teacher says i think it's in seventh grade that every boy thinks he's going to grow up and be sitting bull or blood cut crazy blood horse clot. A crazy bull, cra uh, yeah, crazy horse. Sorry, um, or or blood clot, clot boy, is it blood clot man or something like that? Or Sacagawea, uh, I thought. Oh, the girls all think the they're going to be Sacagawea, yeah. and the boys, he says, are all. But um, the one character is thinking that he's going to be blood clot, uh, which is a whole different. And I was like, oh, tell me more about this blood clot myth. Like that's incredible that this, this this boy comes out of this this clot and becomes the savior of his tribe, only to become a star later on. Like. You, you you get that um i don't know yeah i didn't um again i think this is just it's just you wanting more from it and i think that uh, uh drones set us up with these things and it's not his story to tell or it's not the story he wants to tell but it's sure. part of it and um and i think that that's one of the successes of the book is that he just gives you enough to kind of keep you keep you interested but then also if you want to know more carry on my wayward son learn about my <laughs> culture through like yeah. i don't know a fucking history book you know instead right. of a work of fiction <laughs> exactly yeah no absolutely absolutely um i i i love the it's yeah introduction like if this fucking interests you do the work buddy yeah yeah absolutely Pal. come on bruh um <laughs> All right, I want to pivot here. Um, I, I feel like we kind of exhausted, um, you know, talking about myth and, and what Graham does and does not give us um, versus what we wanted. Um, his writing is really electric and alive, and I and I really, uh, I don't know, I, I really liked his writing. It was good. Um, I really liked it, bro. <laughs> one of the techniques that I noticed he did, and and he does it really well is his use of personification in um, he does it a lot, but m I noticed it more in the very, very gruesome scenes where he'd personify something rolling away or the sound of something. And, and I was, and it, and it, it lended a little bit of levity is not the right word, but it definitely, it, 
I guess it, I don't know if it made it more real or, or if it just softened the blows, as it were. Um, did you guys notice? What, what are your thoughts on his writing and, and if you noticed the personification? Um, I loved his. I mean, I thought he was from from being able to from a third person limited, just go into somebody's head and give you a sentence like <laughs> about like a grisly murder and this like really kind of funny aside about said murder. Um, mm-hmm. And it would just be like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just like, I, and I think it did soften it because, but not in like a, a, a profound way. Like there, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> violence in this is so extreme when it is present um, that I don't know how you could soften that. But yes, I do agree that like he, I think it adds levity and just, you know, sands off the point of a fang just a little bit. All right, there it is. There yeah, it is. I'd, I'd agree with that. That's a that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, for sure. I thought at times there was like the dialogue, especially like was very 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 conversational throughout because it's often a conversation, but often what's going mm-hmm. somebody's head as well felt that way. Um, and I thought that was that was excellent because I didn't think it was the same voice right which happens sometimes when you have somebody who's constantly doing that especially jumping into different heads throughout a story you know at least five at this point um and so that was really cool to see i mean just from a writing perspective it was really strong um you know there were times where i was like oh um i got this a little bit earlier like there was a a re-explaining at times but then Mm -hmm. in my head i jumped back to a lot of the aboriginal and native myth they do that Right. That's 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 oral storytelling. That's that's where, you know, when you're when you're doing oral tradition um, or you're participating in that, that's how you do it. So that the reader, the listener gets it in their head, what you're saying. So it's like the um, recap page in a comic book. Yes, exactly. It's it's uh, <laughs> in, in a number of ways, but it's just it's uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's just that making sure that they're with you, you know, and he, he does that at times um, for sure. Um, and also, I think he is, in a lot of ways, probably a big fan of horror because some of the stuff was that stuff that like bends reality a little bit. Like this wouldn't really happen in in, in real life. It wouldn't be said <laughs> because it is a little bit too much or too quick or too easy or something like that at times. Um, but that was few and far in between. And I, that actually got me into a genre or into thinking about the genre because I don't read it often. I'm not, I don't watch it. I don't watch horror. I don't read horror often. Um, so that was, that was cool. Cause I felt like I was a visitor in a space that was new to me um, with, with, with the way that he wrote that, which was fun. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a really tough time saying that this is a horror book. It does. It, hey, it actually, I don't actually really care. It's, I think well, it's you're certainly talking about it a lot. <laughs> well, keep, well, well, Nick keeps bringing it up again because <laughs> no, I, I had to to remind myself to suspend my disbelief. Like that was what enabled me to be able to read this straight through and not so put you it down. You don't need you, you like you need that. You can't. I needed it for this book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I would have put the book down otherwise because yeah. I would have been like, that's that is unreal. Like I, I can't, yeah. I can't stick with it unless I, in my head, I'm reminding myself, oh, like this is not that it needs to be in a particular genre, but like, I, I was like, I was like, oh, that, that was just the key for me, you know, yeah. that, that, that kept All me right. going. 
hey man, whatever whatever gets you through the pages. Yeah, and I think that's an important point to to you know because people need different types of shit to stick with with a story. Uh, um, there, I know that I get turned off in, in any number of ways from any number of stories because of a thing that I didn't even think is a hang up for me, and it would just you know yeah I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Um, so like, if, especially if, if you read a lot, you know. Yeah, and if if you know thinking of this as a horror novel is the thing that allowed you to get through it, then my God, good for you. You know what I mean? That's great. Um, yeah, it was, I, even, maybe, I mean, a great payoff at the end too. That's, so yeah. I was very glad for sure. Maybe I'm more evolved as a reader than you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's it. I'm, I'm positive. That's, that's it. I mean, in fact, it's yeah, let's stop this conversation because we found, we found the end of it. <laughs> um, no, but 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 seriously though, um, uh, but seriously, fuck Izzard, you, <laughs> uh, Josh Izzard, our our uh, our program director at Arcadia, he he always said that, um, you know, good writing, you know, three things: character, plot, style, and I think this book had all of them, and, and any book that I enjoy has all of those things those three things character plot and style um i if it's got those three things i just actually don't give a shit about the genre yeah. it that that falls away from me it's like oh okay well there's there's murders there's you know supernatural elk-headed women murders in this book cool the writing's great i'm into the characters and uh the plot is is pretty awesome yeah and i i you know I, i'm I'm of the same mind um, in, in many ways. I think uh, I, I think I read a little more horror than you guys do, um, and uh, maybe a little more genre too. But um, traditionally, horror books don't read like this. Um, his style is so pronounced and unique and his own that mm-hmm. it transcends genre, and that's that's a fucking good book. You know what I mean? If you, if you can say okay, if, yeah, like, Let's just say Nick, you're, you're saying okay, this is a horror novel. This is what I need to get through. That's the tether that's going to pull me through this. This is not a horror novel in in the style of the the prose itself. Because I mean, you pick up Stephen King. Stephen King's good. He doesn't do this. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I, yeah. and I think that's what bothers me about Nick Mahalik saying that he had to think of it as a horror to get through it because it's so good, and and um. I thought he was, uh, I don't know, a better reader than that. <laughs> you're such, a, you're such an <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I think I'm just a little more, if I'm being honest, I, I feel like I might be a little more critical of this book than you guys too, though. Um, because yeah. it, it wasn't like when we get to the rating system, it'll probably show like it wasn't a home run for me. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't all these things that you, that you're saying for me. I really enjoyed it as a story. Um, yeah. I, I really, really did. But there, there were some things where, and especially Nick, you saying that, you know, he's so prolific. Um, it, it felt to me that, that at times perhaps, and that was one of the things, you know, I don't, not to be overly critical, but the, the, there were a number of times where I was like, this could have used another one more, two more little editorial just run-throughs. Well, um, I'll say in, in terms of I'll, criticism of this book, we'll the, back that up. my um, my biggest hang-up was I feel like it could have been 60 pages shorter. I'd agree, yeah. Um, I felt like, uh, especially in Sweat Lodge Massacre, the, the third section, yeah. um, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of headspace stuff 
where, Mm -hmm. you know, the characters are mulling things over and they're going back into the past where maybe not necessarily we needed to go back there again. Or Lewis had already done it earlier. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was my biggest criticism. Like, I think it was my only criticism in in terms of, like, what I found not as strong was that I think it was a little too long uh, and a little too overwritten in, in spots. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we didn't need the plot of the fantasy books that um lewis was reading right that i i started getting real glossy and all that stuff and i was like yeah. i didn't really draw a correlation i um, wanted that to probably, come back to yeah and that probably comes with um a prolific writer who's maybe not getting uh you know a spell checked or whatever you know <laughs> quite quite as much as say a new writer well, yeah and i'll also say like um I don't think we touched about the, the basketball game at the end. Um, Beautiful. I didn't think I would like sports incredible. writing. Incredible. My God. He's an incredible That was my favorite writer. part. However, yeah. thought it was too goddamn long. So. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it goes on for about 40 pages. Yeah, and she says it's like 18 to 15. I'm like, motherfucker, it's been 18 to 15 for 25 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, no, and it like legitimately had. Um, yeah, I, and and – I mean, I, I, that's the other thing is I, I do not want to spoil anything, but there are some things that to me read as horror tropes that happen at the end um, yeah. concerning outhouses and, and dwellers therein um, and stuff yeah. like that, <laughs> that I was like that I needed to, again, just not to beat it to death, but I needed to remind myself of that. And, and, and I got past it. And I didn't go, God damn it. Um <laughs> as quickly as I would have had, had I been in a different headspace. Well, I think that's of like, yeah, I, I think that's another, I think he really loves the genre. So you're going to get exactly. those tropes, You know what I mean? Yeah. You're and he loves it. Like, and the oh, people who love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who love it, love it too. So yeah, oh, yeah, it's just one of those things that, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, I'm sure there were people who love doomsday clock with the, the, the cross modulation of all these characters from different, comic universes oh man but i, I, I fucking like hated brick. that shit so much i read hated two issues it. of that and i fucking hated it <laughs> i hated it so much but i i know there were people that were just like oh blowing blowing loads everywhere about that so you know it's like <laughs> oh, what are you gonna oh. do just painting the walls <laughs> Paint- oh. <laughs> um yeah but again i i I can't co-sign enough like how much good there was um, with 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 the book. But I again, yeah. it wasn't an out of the park for me. I was I was critical of some things. Uh, we ready for some final thoughts? Yeah, I, feel I, like we I think did. so. I, I think if we go any further, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> I, I felt us starting to do that, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to go first. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this book. Um, I was planning on since I had to buy the hardback, just trading it back in to the local shop, the Spiral Bookcase, uh, in their new location on Main Street <laughs> in Maniunk, PA. Um, I was going to trade it back in for credit, but I'm going to tuck this bad boy right up on the old shelf. And uh, I might, I'm not, I don't think I want to keep it, but I'm going to wait for that person to come through my life that's, ooh, this is for you. You got to read that. I want to pass this along to a deserving reader. Um, I think it was just a really cool fucking book. And I really liked what he did with storytelling that um not to be uh, braggadocious or fuck it to be braggadocious uh it's <laughs> it's it's kind of what i'm doing with with my writing oh, as well is the multiple it, 
<laughs> oh my god. Just Holy really shit. well done and articulated different I... points of views. You know, I mean, uh, that's... just prose that is just dripping. You know, yeah. uh... <laughs> and and that's again probably why I was I was more critical than everybody else about it too. You know? <laughs> Much like that. your writing. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I like it. I like this book quite a bit. I'm, I'm actually, this is, I'm often not happy to have read books for this cast, but I am for this one. <laughs> and I was going to say, it's great Jesus to see uh, joy, uh, you know, sort of just make its way slowly across your face. As well, you because, because we it. have, because we have to read them and that puts you in a different mindset. We choose them though. We choose them. We choose. I didn't choose this though. I'm happy to read the ones that I've picked. <laughs> But eight out of the twelve are, oh uh, you know, thrust upon the uh, crumudgeny, crumudgeness. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I knew um, that I hit, I, I hit a homer for Daniel on this one because I saw his Goodreads uh, star review yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, ha! Five out of five, baby. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think this is really good. Um, Going back to that list that Chucky P gave me back in the day, I read, uh, I think, every author he recommended on that list. And I, there wasn't one that didn't work for me. And, and, and Stephen Graham Jones is certainly one of them. And I'm, going, I'm, I'm buying his book next month. Um, and I'm really excited. And this is pretty terrific. Yeah, I, I'd echo a lot of that. I really, um, I was very glad to have read it. It was interesting because it felt like there was a middle lull and the front and back really brought it together for me. And I thought it was it was absolutely fantastic. And there's so much good in it. Um, And really just like if you let yourself get immersed and that's the other thing about these is like we're typically finishing up the novel around the time that we record these. And as we know, with literature, if you let that sit for a little bit after you've finished it that's when you really start to unpack and the subconscious takes over and you know starts doing its work for you um with regard to what the book's actually doing most times so um i'm real excited for that to happen i cannot wait to to dive into um you know the the native american myth with this new lens um with my students this year because i think that'll be a blast but yeah um as i i would i would echo that some parts over written had to really suspend the disbelief to engage with um some tropes and some writing that i don't typically read or are usually a fan am usually a fan of um and the payoff was great um you know because i do also really love basketball and uh indians love their basketball for sure and i'll just finish up with this you are both welcome (laughs) (laughs) nicely done so let's jump into your next pick now pelican baby yes let's Let's get some pelican um, so, uh, start us off. Why did you pair this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I had not listened to this album prior to p- putting this particular episode together. I listened to Pelican before and I, when I was thinking, this is a horror novel. I want an album to mimic its feeling of dread and <laughs> doom and um nighttime stories yeah and i remember pelican made me feel really bad 
about everything. <laughs> um, Terrified. Just, it was just like it's very dark and gloomy and like it, it bums me out. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go with Pelican because it's going to soundtrack this book pretty good. Um, they love sounding like Black Sabbath in terms of guitar tone. Um, mm. And the I mean, the titles of the songs kind of fit pretty nicely with the book, <laughs> too, which I did. Midnight and mescaline. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I gave it a raspberries, <laughs> but I actually liked it quite a bit. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I, I like then, it, too. It doesn't make it's it's Pelican's a band that I'll listen to. I'll, I'll listen to an album and then I'll never listen to it again because I never want to feel that sad ever again. <laughs> It really, it didn't if have I that ever... profound an effect on me in terms of like yeah. changing my whole mood. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the the opening track drew me in really, really well. I love that. Um, and then as it went on, it got more medley yeah. um, for sure. And then I saw what their, yeah, like sort of like true essence was there, um, which is not what I normally listen to it again. But I think one of the reasons that I perhaps even was also talking about genre so much was, you know, and you and I chatted about this a little bit, but you know how they sort of uh classify themselves and music of above all things i don't think should be you know genre shouldn't really exist but with this like yeah it's 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 very clearly like mostly instrumental metal right Right. and And, and uh, they refer to themselves as post metal I, yeah. This whole album was instrumental, right? Yes. There weren't any vocals. I think most mm-hmm. I think they only have vocals. There's a few times where there's things. like Yeah. Where, a few yells, times. where he yells, Ho, I need more stones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ho. Yeah. Um yeah, but this was this was this was cool, man. This for me was and like most instrumental stuff I listen to, um, which is often post rock uh stuff was great in the background. I was listening to, I was reading for a bit too, just kind of mostly for the, um, the massacre section. I Did, was it listening to this. Did it work? Did it work? It worked really well. Yes. That was actually great. Right. When I started getting into the massacre section, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to put it on and see how that works. And because it's also like, it's sort of an EP length almost. There's like, in terms of tracks four minutes. and, yeah. and time. Yeah. They are longer songs, but it, it is, um, yeah. Uh, only a few tracks. Um, it worked. It worked because the changes kind of like fit. I thought, oh, this is this is very cool. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I you know, I'm like, I, it, it was nothing that like totally blew my brain apart, but I thought it fit with uh, in terms of tone, uh, the novel really, really well. That's exactly what I would say. Um, if so, but I will add this. If I ever decide to Thelma and Louise it to, you know, shuffle off this mortal coil, uh, sure. well, I won't, I won't put this on. But if it was on, <laughs> it would be very fitting. Yeah, it's not your choice, but it's a, it's a great <laughs> consolation. Yeah. yeah. Or if I was to go to war with like another nation, and I just wanted to uh, demoralize them. Like, you just put that up. You know, like, they play, like, Metallica, like how they played Metallica in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's like, ridiculous. Well, that's because I did not know that. Wasn't, oh, it's, yeah, it's, like, look it up. It's, it's uh, they did it to strike fear into the heart of the infidels, you know, as, as, as they would say. Um, 
But I think, uh, what's the name of the band? Pedestal? What's the name of this band? Pelican. Pel- Pelican. 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 Not a good name for their band, by the way. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a good name for In anybody's fact, band, I don't think. No. I'm going to deduct a point off of the rating just because of their dumbass band name. There is a beautiful <laughs> box set. It's, it's, in, it's in a wooden box. Uh, it's a vinyl collection of all their albums, I think prior to this one. And it's been sitting at the rock shop in the Plymouth Meeting Mall for like three years. <laughs> and oh, it's, wow. it's like 250 bucks. And it is beautiful, man. I look at it every time. I'm like, I don't like that band that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's a great way to like sum up. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, would if like somebody's like, far. hey, hey, Nick Pelican's in town. I'm like, great. <laughs> have fun <laughs> but you can definitely see how this could be somebody's favorite band oh sure oh absolutely, absolutely. or yeah. a band that somebody's like really into yes. i don't know if this i mean i guess it could be somebody's favorite band i'm not gonna like knock them i mean they are definitely doing their thing the way they're doing it yeah um so here's my biggest uh beef uh here's my biggest elk meat oh, wait you with uh, you have a complaint um so for instrumental music i didn't i certainly do not want some steve vi or joe satriani bullshit where there's uh nobody does some melody and then shredding and then the melody again but i was hoping for some themes and variations maybe some phrases it was just like riffs and licks in 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 a very basic song structure too, yeah. Like they did yeah. like verse chorus verse chorus, mm-hmm. and I was but without a melodic, uh, who who's your daddy to uh you know pull you in without like that which would have been the vocals had they had vocals, right? It's like, it's it's like the singer just called out sick that day at the studio. or we got the we got the finished tracks before Maynard jumped on you know what I mean like yeah like uh hey, Steve, I mean that's how Tool writes hey Steve mm-hmm. play an A for Steve <laughs> <laughs> fuck this shit bing <laughs> yeah I I agree that was something that left me want- and and it's funny because I have been recently listening to a ton of instrumental stuff um I've been getting into this one band called Toe which is fantastic um, and they have them. a they have a great drummer, um, and they do they have these movements in the music that are fantastic, um, and and even like Black Midi and stuff and a lot of this new stuff like Black Midi is not really instrumental but might as well be because I can't understand a word the dude says, um, and it's in such a weird voice that I don't think you're supposed to, um, but again you're right that like sort of like melodic through line doesn't really exist here it, it it does feel like and and it's produced well i mean i think the sound is is cool i just um i do look for a little bit more i'm on the other end of that from from the drums i look for a little bit more interesting stuff you know what i mean right like like yeah. some some more a little more creative a little bit more interesting stuff like there was a two-piece called phone home from Brooklyn that I used to love. It was just two brothers. One played a bunch of synthesizers and the other was the drummer. And they were doing something similar to this a little bit. Um, Not quite as metal, but like heavy. And it was so interesting because they were both like just doing these really fun, but also like, 
I mean, thought provoking, you know, runs and stuff. That was cool. I have two requirements for instrumental music typically. And it's either I want it to break my brain uh, in terms of like music, musicianship, technicality, or I want it to make me cry um, in a good right. way. Like that, that profoundly emotional, mm-hmm. you know, welling up. Cigarose type. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> of like explosions in the sky. Like I love explosions okay, yeah. in the sky. Um, but this band is like, hey, um, let's make everybody in the room feel really bad. <laughs> and um let's play it fairly like we'll do it on a, a one two three four you know what i mean <laughs> yeah this band makes me want to bartend again just so i can put this album on at twelve thirty when i want everyone to get the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny too because it seems like we're like heading down that like like bashing it route when I, I don't necessarily think it, it necessitates no, that. I'm not, it's just no, I like it. it. I like it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm just saying if we continue on this, it's going to be obviously, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of sure. kind of mocking it. A no, bit, well, it's not it's not for everybody. And uh, the music that I would play is Tom Waits or Radiohead, like their darker stuff when I wanted people to leave. Sure. Stuff OK, that, like, I got gotcha. I enjoy. And what if I'm you know, um, what's the name of this album? Uh, Nighttime, Nighttime Stories. Stories. Nighttime Stories by Pelican, I could see putting that on, you know, while you're taking out the trash, sweeping and then mopping the floor, you yeah. know, throwing up the chairs. Like, it just kind of got that uh, that that kind of sludgy grind to it. It reminds me, so, so grind, um, to give the listener a little bit of perspective, it sounded like, it's actually a good tie-in, Allison Chain's self-titled album with the three-legged dog, on the cover, that green album. Yeah. All that, that album was written, um, all the music, some of the, the vocals, they didn't think that Lane Staley was going to be on it, but then he came in and that's, and he, he did his thing on it. But a lot of that was written. Um, this album, uh, what's it called? Pelicans, Night Times and whatever. Nighttime shit. Stories. Are you uh, serious? <laughs> seconds yeah. ago. Seconds it's, it's, ago. It's, 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 Three words. <laughs> Nighttime and stories. Nighttime is a compound word in this title. Nighttime stories. By okay. Pelican. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Learning. Um, so in this album, Nighttimes and Stories oh, by Pel- the Pelican Brief. We all saw um, it coming. Pelican Brief. It was gonna. It was gonna happen. <laughs> Eventually, uh, it sounds like the song "Grind" by Allison Chains, Sands vocals. So if you if you like that kind of just uh, gritty Allison Chains vibe without singing, um, "Nighttime Stories" by Pelican, like wow, he did it's it. for you. Yes. Took you a long time, long way to get that, there. That's actually my final thought. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but you guys certainly can. <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, I. I my intention with this was to soundtrack this book. And oh, so I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, kudos to you, my friend. Mm-hmm. I cut you off for a compliment. Oh. Kudos to you. Oh, thanks. As I was listening to this, I was like, this, fuck, he did a good job. Hey! <laughs> was, not ex- was not expecting it. You know Didn't you, think he had it in you, you keep but he did a down. good job. You keep, you know, you, you give me the compliment, and then you're like, I'm going to cut you off at the knees, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> It is a it is a bit maniacal, um, yeah. I I I totally uh, think that the especially the oh man 
the sweat lodge massacre it fits so well mm. and the last um the last 40 seconds of the last song on this album are very beautiful and you could just play that reading that last page yeah absolutely yeah I do that before i tuck this up on the old show you're welcome again again <laughs> i mean the first song i thought was pretty beautiful as well you know yeah. they bookend it nicely like, beautiful um, but grim i think like the 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 end of it was that had like a bit more of a, a hopeful type sound yeah to it yeah no i hear that i hear that um absolutely yeah i'd agree i would i would second that quite a bit and uh yeah, that that would be my final my final thought for sure. I thought it soundtracked this really really well. Yeah, and and my final thought is that was exactly my intention, and if it worked, great. And we're uh, <laughs> we're here. And Pelican is not for me, although I like this album. So final thought, bang. What are your thoughts on the Pelican Brief? Is that the Julia Roberts movie? I think so. I th- I remember my mom really liking it. That's about right. <laughs> yeah, tracks. <laughs> uh, all right, shall we? Shall we get into our our beer and liquor section? Nick, uh, tell us a little bit about yours because yours is the the primary primary uh, beverage here, and then we'll we'll each we each got something unique. I think that's actually been like one of the for me anyway most fun parts of doing this remotely is that we're each getting something something different that we get to talk about a little bit. But yeah, I want to hear about this Kate May because Kate May Brewery does some good stuff, man. They do. Uh, Cape May is very good. Um, so they always put out every summer something very interesting uh, outside of their standard IPAs and uh, porters and all that. Um, last year it was this beautiful golden sour ale that was like $10 a can because it was such a small batch and I got five cans of it. Yeah. <coughs> um, <laughs> And the year before that was... We, uh, we get it. You can spend $50. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> what I mean to say, it was so good that I was spending money that I shouldn't have. And <laughs> I couldn't buy myself Core Brothers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's an enormous sacrifice. I'm not yeah, sure I'd a, make that yeah, for any beer. Like, Goddamn. Goddamn. Core Brothers. Jesus um, Christ. Anyway, this is uh, Kate Mays. They're doing a sour series this year. This is number five. Um, it is... Brewed with oysters, so you get this. Um, I'm just gonna open this and start pouring and start drinking. It, um, the closest thing I can say about it is that um, if you've ever gone directly trudged off into the water whilst after sitting on the beach and just lean down and open your mouth up and let that water rush in, (laughs) Um, it's like it's this beautiful, like it's really it's tart more than sour and like like a goza or goes should be and it has this wonderful briny salty note um that it hits really really well and i have when does the the seagull when does the seagull shit like notes and that's why i got my ass off the beach (laughs) what was the last thing into the ocean like i go in your mouth (laughs) and then i go into the ocean daniel's never been to the ocean dude i don't like it (laughs) He's never been. Truthfully <laughs> enough, I'm not a beach guy myself. Um, you've, I'm like Anakin Skywalker. You've never <laughs> been to the beach? I know I've been there. I hate it. Oh. What, what do you hate about the beach? Because I have the hot, the hot, the hot itchy dirt. Yeah, it is dirt, right? It's fucking dirt. And it's hot and it's itchy. Yeah, fucking a. You know what? I feel like sometimes we're like on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> Except but that fucking ocean is beautiful, isn't it? Mm. 
You're probably not wearing Airwalks, though, Nick. <laughs> I, when I met Liz, uh, I, I used to wear my, my shitty chucks onto the beach. And she's like, no, you're not doing that anymore. We're getting you flip-flops. <laughs> oh, that makes it even worse. You have to not only be an asshole, you've got to look like one. Well, and I'll tell you what. Like, <laughs> like, everybody who wears flip-flops like, oh, man, they're, so, they're, they're made for the beach. No. Those things fire sand up into the bottom of your bathing suit, right into the crack of your ass. Yeah, it's not a good design. I've yeah, I've anyway, never never done delicious. that. <laughs> so nice. Uh, it looks it looks solid. Yeah. And that's the Cape May. What's the name of it? It's um, it's on the way to Cape May. Cape May Salts. This is oh, nice. I want to I want to track that down. So um, I also have a goes from New Jersey. So just a quick little blip about what a goes is. Um, this is from Wikipedia. Um, you know, if you like. Do we know if it's pronounced goes or goza? Because I've heard a lot of people who I trust say goza. Isn't goza like from um, Ghostbusters? Gozer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The gozerian. I mean, I mean you could, if you're from Boston, it's goza. <laughs> well, uh, well, this is up for the, this is for the listener to find out. I'm just going to say yeah. goes. Go for it. Um, uh, this is from Wikipedia. Uh, Goes is a warm fermented beer that originated in uh, Gosler or Gosler, Germany. It is usually brewed with at least fifty percent of the grain bill being malted wheat. I don't know what that fucking means. <laughs> Dominant flavors in Goes include a lemon sourness, check, an herbal characteristic, check. And a strong saltiness, yeah. um, the result of either local water sources or added water. So I'm wondering, Nick, um, if Jersey, because they're near the ocean, if maybe just how the air affects brewing and you know malts and, and all the, all, the, all that shit, um, and and sewage, I guess. Um, <laughs> if that's why maybe some gozes are coming out. Besides it being like a pretty popular style right now. Yes. Which is great for me because I, I've always loved sours, and I, this is like a gateway drug into sours because they are a little, a little and, and truth I, I don't think they're a gateway drug. I oh, think these I turn people off. I think Ooh. these turn people off because of the salt, dude. This got me uh, – this prepared my palate for what a sour was going to do to me. Really? Yeah, yeah it did. I feel like the Berliner Weiss is the, is the gateway. Okay, so that there, there can be a couple similar. of gateways. There's a couple of ways into Mordor. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got your uh, you got your Mordor. You've got your uh, your your minus veil. You know, yeah, there's a few ways to <laughs> throw a ring. Ways. There's a few ways yeah. to throw a ring into a volcano, dude. Giant <laughs> eagles. Lots of ways. Lots of so, ways. <laughs> what I'm drinking is uh, Ludlam Island Brewery, which is from Jersey. Yeah, they're good. Ocean, Ocean View. This is called a Reuben goes. If like, that has post- fucking pastrami on, <laughs> that has a Reuben oh, sandwich sh- on the can. Yep, oh goes my with God. rye malt, sea salt, and toasted caraway seeds. Does it? And can, do you get them? Do you get the notes? I'm so in nose, interested. In the nose, so the 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 brewer the quote on the can is so I have this idea for a beer that tastes like a Reuben sandwich, which is a great premise. I mean, but what is better than combining the two greatest things on earth, beer and sandwiches? Um, <laughs> right. This does not taste like a Reuben sandwich, but it is a super clean, very tasty, uber drinkable uh, goes. And 
there's no tart. It's just like right in the front, nothing in the back. Mm. This this would actually be great with a sandwich. Let me ask you this. Do you get the rye? Because the first beer I ever brewed was a rye with like the uh, uh, caraway seeds and stuff like that. Um, are you are you are you getting any of that? Because I remember that was like the and probably because I'm an extreme amateur. That was why. But that was really pronounced um, when I did it more in the nose, but very lightly. Okay. It's really light. Everything's very light. Sounds it's, delicious. It's a, it's a super uh, non-offensive beer, and I mean that in a very, very good way. Mm. Like it's well, like, yeah, because the a... salt can be overwhelming with some of these yeah. things, man. Mm -hmm. Some of these are pretty much undrinkable because of the salt content alone, I found. Because, yeah, there was a really long time where I was just going after them. I mean, I love when they use something to temper it, like cucumber or like a melon flavor in mm -hmm. a goza. Like uh, I that, that I really like, especially the cucumber, because I feel like that just makes it uh, refreshing. Yeah. And as you know, salt will often like dehydrate you and, and cut that refreshing nature of a drink pretty significantly. Um, mm. But yeah, in any case, dude, that's good to hear. Both those sound absolutely delicious. Yeah. What do you got, buddy? So I made myself a drink. Um, as you know, it's Blackberry time at the Mahalik uh, household. Yes, I do. So, uh, yeah, there was I, I have been gathering my daily cereal bowl of blackberries. Um, so Jill made a uh, peach and blackberry cobbler. Uh, and I have just been drinking blackberry mojitos for a few days now. Um, <laughs> nice. And so that's what I made. I, I took I took about 30 or so blackberries, uh, crushed them to juice, uh, left, left some of the flesh in there uh, just because it's it's uh, tasty. And, um, yeah, throw about, you know, uh, two or three shots of rum in there. Um, some uh, mint leaves from the back, Ooh. crunch them up, and, uh, and then I throw in just a pop of um, lime seltzer. And, uh, nice. And, uh, and that's, that's, my, that's my recipe. It is tasty, man. Um, I think that's why I keep drinking them so much. But, you want to uh, bring yeah. one down and uh, stoop it with me? Yeah, we can stoop it, baby. We can get stupid on the stoop. Um, but that's that's this is all blackberry. Like that's why it's that color, um, which is. And I for mean, you, dear listener, who can't see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just Imagine about to say it's it's color like of blackberry. <laughs> so yeah, but a, a lot of people don't. I think <clears throat> fuck with blackberries that much. You know, blueberries and raspberries are like the standards. Blackberries, a lot of people can't get down with the tart and that's what i was gonna say I, I did it also because to get to get into this this goza section you gotta be tart and um i was always worried that when we planted that bush the sort of like acidity of the soil around here because it's a lot of clay was really gonna funk them out and and make them you know not really palatable um but if you let those droplets go till they're about to burst baby you get a really just uh, such a great rounded sweet and sour uh flavor i look forward to your blackberry posts every year because <laughs> dude you can see you're not the only face. one who's... like you're so excited <laughs> I'm, i get so pumped dude i wake up and i'm like yes and i get to go out and i get my little cereal bowl and like fill it up oh man it's a it's a you know what it's really like relaxing too to just like give a give them a little tug see if they're ready you know what i mean because you really don't know you don't know until they fall off i guess until, until you tug it you don't know my favorite part <laughs> is when he wakes up 
and he puts a shirt on just to go outside to take it off. <laughs> I haven't gotten. Picture. I know I haven't. I haven't gotten to the shirtless BlackBerry post yet, because um, I have been it's, going so early in the morning. Yeah. Your fans are. Uh, Everybody are is yeah, just chopping at the bit. I'm gonna see how long I can hold out. We need to get that yeah, shirtless Camaro back in our <laughs> lives, man. Yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm drinking and. Dear listener, I, I strongly recommend it. Fresh ingredients, and you you can't go wrong. That's the other thing. Those blackberries, they they start to um, go bad in just a couple of days because they're as fresh as can, as can be. You know what I mean? So, like, even your organic blackberries that you get at the store are picked so early that, that they have some sort of, like, spray preservative on them. Um, but when you pick them straight off the vine, they don't last more than two days. Yeah, and they're, okay. ju- they're just mush. You got to – you got to – Make a beverage out of them, baby. I use that, baby. <laughs> I got five pounds of frozen juice in the freezer, man. Holy shit! The book record beer number two. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking Part to put two. that together. We just gotta think of the other, um, the other flavor. But in any case, that's mine. I strongly suggest it for anybody that likes that that flavor. Noise. Well, cheers, gentlemen. I've got a rating system. Let's, Let's do have it. a little toast. Let's do it. Cheers, cheers friends. boys. The Only Good Indians, a novel by Stephen Graham Jones. I give it eight out of nine. Final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. Was it that? Was it what was that? Horned? Horned. 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 Like be horned, be antlered. <laughs> yes, he gets it. I give um, um, pelicans. Nine, Pelicans, Night Times, and Croissants. Christ almighty. What the fuck's it called? Nighttime, Nighttime Stories. stories. Nighttime, stories. <laughs> Nighttime Stories. Nighttime Stories. Nighttime Stories. <laughs> All right, I give I give uh, uh, Fruity Loops, Toucan Sam's, whatever. <laughs> I give that six, uh, no, four out of nine final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. Needed that melody. I wanted the melodies, man. I'm a sucker for melody. They needed to bring him Sir Paul McCartney just for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Here goes sc- scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Run with it. Run with it, boys. Put that on that number. <laughs> that was my Paul McCartney impersonation, which that was is not good. <laughs> crazy. That was crazy. I don't know what that was, but I enjoyed not, it. Not good. Wow. And I gave my... <laughs> I was like fra- the opening to Frasier meets like a deranged psychopath. <laughs> well, the the, the steer the, the story is he the original scrambled melody eggs yesterday all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was singing scrambled eggs. Anyway, fuck off. I don't know why I'm being mean to you. Um, I give it's the goes. It's it's the spirit of of, of a dead Reuben sandwich. That's following. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis Costello's Dead Reuben Sandwich Come back to uh, Yeah right He owes me for fucking He owes me six dollars um, I give uh, This Reuben Goes By Ludlam Island Brewery I'm gonna give it um, I think I'm gonna give it Again uh, The same as the book Eight out of nine Final shots at the buzzer With a bloody and Horned Basketball Very good Alright I'm gonna give Stephen Graham Jones is the only good Indians a uh, seven out of nine uh, 
was it final shots at the buzzer with a bloodied and horned ball basketball yes. basketball okay. yeah um uh for various reasons that have already been discussed uh fantastic but you know various reasons seven out of nine i am going to give pelicans nighttime stories a um five out of nine i think it's doing exactly what it's due and it it meant to do and it's it's adequate in all ways um uh five out of nine um uh i forgot it now shots at the basket in the final moments with a bloodied and horned yeah that works (laughs) <laughs> with a bloodied and horned basketball. And then uh, my concoction that is a many young blackberry mojito, um, that is a fucking 8.5 out of 9 final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. It's delicious. <laughs> Fresh ingredients. Make a drink, baby. All right. So... Um I'm going to give this entire episode uh, a big... I'm going to give myself a big pat on the back for this one. Uh, that's nine out of nine. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen Graham Jones, The Only Good Indians, is a, is a uh, 7.5 um, final shots at the basket with a bloody and horned basketball. At the buzzer. At but the yeah, buzzer. Sure. Okay, it was a B word. <laughs> Whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give Pelican a four out of nine. Um, Same please. What is the fucking thing? Final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. Final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. Daniel's getting annoyed at us not remembering that when he couldn't remember nighttime stories. <laughs> or Pelican. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Peekaboo's bedtime stories was not a good album. It was not. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna give this Cape May Brewing Company Goza-esque sour, brewed with oysters, a uh, an eight out of nine. Um, final shots at the buzzer with a bloody and horned basketball. So, Nick, Nick, Gregorio, you did good. You picked three good things. What can I tell you? Nicely they work done. really well together. It only took five years to finally get you to like something that I do. We're, we're getting our stride. <laughs> we're getting our stride. Five years, baby. <laughs> I can't believe I, it's the 10th episode. That's crazy, man. I, li- I like that one story you wrote. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be stewing on that. <laughs> oh, Which I'm one is it? the bed with me. Which one is it? Which one could it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> um... A little, a little shameless self-promotion, uh, dear listener. After you listen to this cast this Friday, go over to Ethelzine and press and check out the the poems from my from my book. Wait, we can See pre-order if you now. Like it. Went up, went up today. Son of a uh, bitch! Right. You got to text us with that shit. Yeah, fuck I you, man. St- I did. <laughs> I didn't know it was it was news to me as well. Um, yeah, go over and check it out. There's a couple poems up. See if you like them. And if you do, um, purchase Melissa Etheridge's seminal 1993 album made of two overlapping triangles instead of one. By me! <laughs> <laughs> Gregorio, take us there, Skitch. Oh, good, Skitch. <laughs> All right, well, 
thanks once again for listening after all these years. My God. And um, I don't know why I said that. How you've grown. (laughs) So make sure to follow us on the social media. We're on Facebook.com slash Book Record Beer Podcast. We're on Twitter. Where we post nothing. Where we also post nothing. Instagram on book.record.beer. Skibidi uh, bop. Post once a month. Yes. Don't forget and, uh, to check uh, for us on Spotify as Spotify. well. Now, wow. baby. Well, yeah, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Band SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Wow, you can't really get any better than that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next month. See ya. Skibidi bop. My elk hurts. <laughs> Your elk hurts.